Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 13 in our Bibles. Matthew chapter 13. And we have been working through a series I have titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. There are a lot of views going on in the world, a lot of views and a lot of takes on things. And at the end of the day, after having endless conversation and debates, and uh, I've come to the conclusion that I really just want Jesus' view on the matters of life and the matters of this universe. And so we started this series, Jesus' Worldview, through the book of Matthew. It is the most comprehensive gospel we have. Um, it's very extensive, and it goes into very detail of what Jesus did, how he lived, what he taught, and what he taught his disciples. And so we have been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book, and this is sermon number 56 through the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13 in our Bibles, we will cover verses 1 to 9 and 18 to 23. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Soil That Bears Fruit. Soil That Bears Fruit. Heard of a story, maybe you heard of this one too. Hey, a couple who were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary was being interviewed. And the husband was asked by the interviewer what the secret to such a long, success, successful marriage was. And he said, well, it all started back on our honeymoon. And then he starts to tell this story. He says, for our honeymoon, my wife and I, we went to the Grand Canyon. We were riding the little pack of mules one day, and I noticed my wife, mule stumbled a little bit. This donkey stumbled on the path, and my wife leaned near the donkey's ear and said, that's one. I thought that was kind of strange, but dismissed it. The mule stumbled again, and she leaned down and whispered to him, that's two. I wondered what on earth my wife met, and the donkey stumbled again, and she said, that's three. She whipped out a 357 Magnum and shot the mule dead. <laughs> Stunned in shock, I said to my wife, why would you do that? You can't go around blowing the brains out of animals. This is terrible. What were you thinking? She looked at me and whispered, that's one. <laughs> That's a good one, huh? It's just a joke. Don't leave. We see people come into the church. We see different types of hearts, different types of mindsets, different types of places in life. We see them come into the church. And they make some type of seeming commitment to God and then sometimes they are just gone. They vanish. And sometimes people use language even here in our city like, I tried Christianity and it didn't work for me. I tried God and that didn't work. And we, we have to wonder what in the world happened. That person showed up and they were so committed. They were full of joy. It seemed like they received the word of God gladly. It seemed like 
They were starting to walk with God. It seemed all great and all of a sudden they're gone and they want to have nothing to do with God and nothing to do with the church. What happened? Maybe you've seen this before. Somebody steps in and they're on fire for God for a month. Or maybe somebody who stepped in and seemed to be committed to the church for two years, then gone. And back off doing their own thing as if they had no connection with the church and had no connection with Jesus. We're going to talk about this today. The Lord Jesus actually breaks down the different types of hearts and mindsets of people and what actually happens to the different people and why we don't see them in the church. But then he also tells us why it is that those who stay committed to the church, it doesn't mean they're perfect, it doesn't mean they don't stumble, it doesn't mean they don't mess up and have hardship in life, but they, even over 30, 40, 50, 60 years of walking with God, even if they've fallen away for a season, they come back. Walking with God, they end up bearing much fruit in their life. We get to look at this today. You get to see the heart and minds of human beings and what's going on behind the scenes. Jesus pulls back the curtain and gives you the inside scoop. Me too. It's right here on our text. We're in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 to 9 in our Bibles. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of God's word to re remember whose word we are reading. This ain't my words. These are not my words. My words can never change you. Remember that. Never. So don't bank on my words. Bank on the words of God. Bank these in your heart. Make this deposit in your heart. Let this transform the mind and the heart. What has God said? We stand for the reading of God's word to remember it's his word and to honor him and thank him for his word. We are in Genesis chapter 13. Take a look at verse 1. I'm sorry, Genesis. Matthew. Don't bank on my words. <laughs> See? Legacy, you are Bereans. You were listening. Thank you. That's one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is the best. Best church ever. No doubt. Best church ever. Amen. Matthew chapter 13 in our Bibles. Look at verse 1. On that day, Jesus went out of the house. And as he was sitting by the sea, a large crowd gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell by beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and were yielding a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform our heart and minds? Would you grow us in deeper relationship with you? We pray that our roots would go down deep into your word 
and it would yield much fruit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Remember where we left off in Genesis, I'm sorry, in, in Matthew chapter 12. Why Genesis? That's two. <sighs> the Lord's doing a number on me today, man. Matthew chapter 12 is where we left off. Jesus explained to the crowd that his family were those who did the will of God. Throughout chapter 12, we see Jesus challenging the crowds and the Pharisees to really help them see the meaning of God's word instead of just living by rules. We, just, we don't want the, the letter of the law, what it says, we want the meaning of it. So often people think Christianity is a bunch of rules and regulations. But they don't understand that the meaning of all of these rules is summed up in two very simple things. Would you just love God and love the people around you? That's it. Don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. It's all summed up in, would you just love each other? <laughs> Stop hurting each other and get on loving each other. That's all it is. Jesus tries to explain this to the crowds that they still don't get it. The heart of his message, truly loving God, truly loving people, he explains that his kingdom is here because the king was on the earth, the Lord Jesus. And he is trying to show them the kingdom of heaven. He's trying to bring the culture of heaven the way it's supposed to be down to the earth. Let me show you how God intended for us to live. What he really wanted to happen. And let me show you what my kingdom looks like. What it looks like to live in it. Those a part of his kingdom will bear fruit, good fruit of loving people and loving God. And they will do the will of God. We won't work this out perfectly in our lives because we're in this in-between stage of a sinful nature that pulls at us and tries to pull us away. But man, there's deep desires to want to love God and serve Him and love people. And sometimes we fail in this, but we go to God in forgiveness. Ask Him to restore and renew us, to change our mind, change our hearts, and grow in a closer relationship with Him who is love so that we love one another more. This is the message. Jesus has been trying to teach the Pharisees and the crowds this, and he explains this further now through parables. Would you say the word parable? parable. Would you say the word parable? Parable. The parable of the soil or the sower, it's called. It says, on that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Look at verse 1. And it says, large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. This is the Sea of Galilee. Anybody been to the Sea of Galilee? The Canaret? Yes. It's beautiful. It is a lake. It's a giant lake. They call it the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus was hanging out on the Sea of Galilee, just sitting there on the, on the lake. And a bunch of people see him there and they start to go over to him and a large crowd builds. Maybe they were asking him questions or wanting him to teach. Like, is that Jesus over there? And they all start going over, Lord, what about this? What about that? Would you teach us about this? So he gets into a boat and he pushes out a little on the water. Right there on the shore, he steps into a fishing boat and they push him out just a little bit and there is the crowd on the beach. And he starts to preach to the beach. Ancient amplification. Really. 
as he is standing on the boat and the water is smooth and calm, his voice hits the water and amplifies to the crowd. It's amazing. This is Jesus' pulpit and he is throwing his voice off the water. If you've never done this before, just go step on the other side of your pool when it is calm and throw your voice from one side to the other. It's amazing how it can work. And even on a large body of water, if it is perfectly smooth and calm, you can just whisper or throw your voice and somebody will hear you from a far distance. It's amazing how this works. This is what's taking place. He's standing in the boat speaking to a large crowd on the beach. And it says he spoke many things to them in parables, verse 3. Many things to them in parables. We will talk extensively about parables next week and why Jesus speaks in parables instead of just saying it plainly. But what is a parable? Gotquestions.com is a great resource for your Bible questions. It actually is. I use it for quick references for questions often. Uh, just a quick reference. It's like, I want all the verses about this question of the Bible. You just type it in on gotquestions.com. And these guys have done extensive work on biblical accuracy. And uh, while not all of it is perfect, it is really an incredible resource. They said a parable is literally something cast alongside something else. Something cast alongside something else paralleled picture with depth of understanding. Jesus' parables were stories that were cast alongside a truth in order to illustrate that truth. Parables were teaching aids and can be thought of extended analogies or inspired comparisons. A common description of a parable is that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's like when the story is told to you, it's something on the surface. But it, when it clicks in the mind and the spirit, it's like, ah, I got it. Jesus gives his answer in verse 13 as to why he speaks in parables in your text. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And again, we will talk about this a lot more. It is actually a mercy. It is a mercy that Jesus is doing this. Because if he spoke to them plainly so that they could understand absolutely everything he says, he would then, they would then be held accountable for everything he said. And it's actually a grace and a mercy that he covers their ears per se or covers their eyes per se with a story and let those who have heavenly ears and heavenly eyes see and hear. Let my people understand. R. Kent Hughes pointed out a poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning titled Aurora Lay. It was written in 1857. I thought it was a blessing which brings understanding about parables or what's happening on the earth. She writes, earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. The earth is full of heaven. And all of the bush and trees and plants are on fire with God. But only those who understand it take their shoes off. Because they're on holy ground and they worship when they see it. The rest are just picking blackberries. They don't see it. They don't get it. Let the one who can see, see. 
Let the one who can hear, hear. Hear what the Lord is saying to his people. Jesus is speaking in heavenly code. Pictures and language which only his people can understand. And I love it. That's why the gospel makes some to make sense to some and to others it makes no sense. Like what are you talking about? Some dude died on a couple pieces of wood 2,000 years ago and that magically takes away your sin? This is crazy. What are you even talking about? And to others, you preach the gospel and it is message of life. It ministers to their heart. It changes their mind and life forever. They recognize that it is and does have the power to change. Jesus begins the parable with verse 3 saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. So Jesus is going to tell us a parable and then he will actually give us the code, praise God, to fully interpret it and understand it a thousand percent. You can't get this parable wrong, okay? Jesus takes care of it for you. You're like, oh no, is this a test? Heavenly code, pictures, am I going to get this one? Don't worry. Jesus gives you the answers to the test. Wasn't that the best in your math book? They're all in the back. Some of you didn't know, huh? You're like, what? Dang it. And when I found those answers, praise God, baby. I actually love math. Math was my favorite subject in school. I'm not joking, it was my favorite. I don't know why. It made sense to me. It was easy to understand. But Jesus gives us all the answers in the back of the book on this parable. And he starts it by saying, the sower went out to sow. If you don't know what a sower is, uh, this is one who takes handfuls of seed and throws it out after the ground has been prepared. Now you farmers know, or if you had parents who made you work the ground like my grandma did, uh, she grew up in Oklahoma on a farm and so she made me and my brothers work the ground in the backyard. She said, you're gonna dig the ground two shovel heads deep. So we would dig the ground two shovel heads deep and we would turn the ground over. We rototilled the ground by hand. Now you can go to Home Depot and start the thing up and just get a rototiller to dig it all up, turn the ground over. But we dug it by hand and we prepared the soil so that my grandma would throw the seed there on the ground and she would do it in a line there. And then she would water it every single day and the sun would hit and it would germinate and before you know it, a plant would be growing. And we had 20 different fruit trees in my backyard. We had all the different, we had beets and uh, persimmons and all kinds of things that, kumquats and th things that are not, a, not normal, but we had it all. Because my grandma grew up there. We didn't have a lot of money growing up, but I ate organic every single day. Just saying. That's what a sower does. Some of you have uh, sown seed into your grass because you have patches of grass. You go to Home Depot and you get the little seed thrower and you fill it up with seed and then you walk around and you spin it and it starts sowing seed into your lawn. He said, Jesus says there was a sower who went out to sow seed and as he sowed it, some seeds fell by the road. You're over just throwing seed and some fell on the road and the birds came and ate them up. Like, hmm. The pigeons show up and the seagulls and they just eat up all the seeds before it can get to the soil. The wind blow it into the soil or get back to the soil. Verse 5, others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. You've seen this on a mountainside. If you go on a hike, you see a little bit of soil in a crack of some rock 
and seed somehow fell there and all of a sudden it springs up because there's no root it can't go any deeper because of the rock the thing just dies out real quick but after a rain like we've had here in the hills man it's beautiful right now everything is just sprung up so fast everything is very green right now this is the rocky place it doesn't have much soil it has no depth and so it springs up fast and then dies off when the sun had risen they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away no depth no root verse 7 and others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out the weeds got them I my grandma made me pull weeds all the time I pull weeds and pull weeds and pull weeds and I hated some of the weeds I got to know the weeds very well uh, crabgrass is one of the worst if you know what a crabgrass is it's like the worst type of grass it just takes over everything what happens is my grandma taught me that the seeds go down under there and there's actually multiple seeds so you could pull up the whole patch of grass but as you pull it up it drops a seed so you have to rip up the entire thing my grandma would always tell me pull from the root pull from the root because if you don't pull the weed from the root, it will remain in the ground and it will choke out all of your plants. And Jesus says there's some seed that's thrown there, but it's thrown to where the weeds are at, where the thorns are at, and the thorns grow up and immediately just choke out the plant and it can't live. It takes, steals all the nutrients. And then verse 8, he says, others fell on the ground of good soil and were yielding a crop and some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Jesus talks about the sower throwing on good soil, yielding crop. A hundredfold would be astronomic in those days. No tree is yielding a hundredfold. They would yield six to eight times maximum. So 30 times, 60 times, or a hundredfold would be absolutely ridiculous in a season. But Jesus says, my trees when my seed goes out and it goes on good soil into the heart of a man or woman and that takes root and it comes forth it will bear 30 60 100 fold you may be thinking I sure don't feel like 30 60 100 fold but I want to tell you today that God is doing that work in your life and he has plans to do that in your life. He then says in verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. What a phrase, huh? If you have ears, hear. You're like, I got ears, I got two of them. Well then hear. You're like, I can't hear anything though, I don't get it, I don't get it. What's the, what's the point of this farming? And Jesus says, let me tell you what the point of the farming is. It's like those 3D renderings. You remember those? People would hang them on their walls. It was a pattern. And if you stared at it long enough, you would see an image hidden in the pattern. Do you remember those? You would have to stare at it for like 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden, the pattern, it was just a pattern. It looked flat. All of a sudden, it would become 3D. Boom. And you'd be like, whoa, I can see it. It's like a dinosaur in there. And the people looking at you like, dinosaur? There's no dinosaur in there. It's a flat image, you idiot. Like, no, no, there, it's in there. It would pop off the canvas. Uh, this is true, right? I'm not crazy, right? You guys, are, how many of you remember this? How many of you remember this? Okay, thank you. Because some people in the crowd are thinking like, 
<laughs> he's like, he, he who is smoking something or something. Jesus then explains the parable to those listening on the beach, praise God. Look at verse 18. Here then the parable of the sower, verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one whom seed was sown beside the road, Jesus says. The phrase Jesus uses in this verse is word of the kingdom, that the seed that is thrown by the sower is the word of the kingdom, essentially the gospel message. The good news about what God has done to save people from sin and death. You know our two biggest problems on the planet? Traffic and, no it's not. <laughs> two biggest problems are sin and death. Notice, for thousands of years we keep hurting and hating each other. But somebody fix this, please. Everybody wants peace on earth. Number two, would somebody please fix the problem of pain, suffering, and death? It impacts everybody, religious, non-religious, doesn't matter who you are. It impacts you the deepest to the core when someone passes that you love. You can't escape it. Jesus said, I, come to came, I came to take care of them both. To heal you from hating and hurting each other and causing you to love and serve each other, number one. And in my death, burial, and resurrection, I promise you resurrected life. You will live forever. You will live with your loved ones. Those who know me and walk with me, we will be in this together. He gifts this to his people. This is the good news in the gospel. The best news ever is this. We've all sinned against God. We've all made mistakes. We've all hurt someone. We've all sinned against God greatly with our lives. And if there is not a heart change, we will continue to do this. It all happened back in the Garden of Eden. They chose not to listen to the commands of God, but to do their own thing, end up hurting themselves and hurting one another. And plunging the human race into a place of sinful nature. And this is why we hate and hurt each other. Did you know that? People like to say, you know, you go up to somebody on the street and you say, do you think people are mostly good or bad? They do. People are mostly good, you know. People are good, you know. The Bible actually says the opposite. It says that we are wicked to the core. <laughs> that, that there is none righteous on the planet, no, not one. There's none that does good. What? Well, allow me to give you a picture. When, when a baby comes forth and they're two, three, four years old, what do you have to teach them to do, good or bad? You have to teach them to do good. They are born doing bad. They're cute, they're happy, they're joyful, but oh man, do they love to hit their brother or sister or take that thing away or scream as loud as they can at you. If that, if that child had the strength of a 30-year-old man, they choke you out for that Twinkie, you know? We have to teach them what is right. And notice we have to teach ourselves what is right. The natural inclination of our heart is to do wrong. And to look at the negative, to look bad at people. To not look on the bright side. 
And that dial goes back every single day. We have to turn it back to God every single day and back to loving one another every single day. That corrosion will come in and try to pull us away. This is what happened in the garden and that's why humans are hating and hurting each other. But Jesus says, I will come down, Father, and pay for their sins through my death. Somebody has to pay for this. So many have broken the rules of God and broken the, the rules of loving and serving each other. There is punishment. There is payment that must be made. Somebody has to go to prison for this. Jesus says, I will go to prison for this. I will take the highest punishment. I will consume the wrath of my Father so that all of these people can go free. They can be forgiven and they can have a relationship with the God who made them because he will forgive them of all of their sin and bring them into relationship with him the way that he created it to be. And all he asks you to do, all he asks me to do is to believe on that message that he has actually done that for us. And as you believe on it, and come into relationship with him, his, him being my Lord and saving me from a life of destruction. This is where life comes forth. This is the beginning of our walk with God. Then you go on your way, not running from God, but running to him all the days of your life. Loving him, listening to his word, what he has said about life, and loving one another. Get on doing it. This is the gospel message. Jesus says... When the word of the kingdom goes out and someone does not understand it, this is what is happening. As we look at each one of these three different things that happens, he gives us three examples. Why people don't understand the gospel. He gives what I see as an internal problem and an external problem. We have an internal problem, something happening with us, and something that's happening outside of us, and I want you to see them both, as to why the seed is not taking root in a person's heart. You should know that the soil in this parable, again, is the heart. The soil is the heart. The seed is the gospel. The sower can be one of three people. It could be God throwing his word over the earth, it can be Jesus throwing his word to the audience or the crowd before him. And it can be his people, preachers, disciples, Christians, throwing seed to their neighbors, to their friends, to their family, to their city. I hope that you are a Christian that is just throwing seed everywhere, just throwing seed. God, I just hope some of this seed takes root. Oh God, give, give me the bag. I ran out. I want more seed. Just throwing it out everywhere you go. Let your, line so, let your light so shine before men and women that they would see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Shine brightly into this city. Throw seed into this city and let God do the rest. These are the problems that arise in the soils. The first problem, are you ready? Verse 4. As he sowed, some seeds fell by the road, and the birds came and ate them. Point number one, if you're taking notes, seed falls on the hard path, and the birds eat them. Verse 19 tells us the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. The external problem, the outside problem, is Satan snatches away the seed. And I see it as spiritual warfare. Something on the outside happens. Seed is thrown into a person's life. 
Like, oh man, this is good. But the enemy shows up through spiritual warfare, through temptation, through whatever it may be, and pulls them away quickly. And they came to church maybe for a month or two, and they say, I'm out. That's the external problem. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Peter says to us, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. I'm telling you, we have one of the biggest cities on the planet. And no doubt, the devil himself have walked these streets and walks these streets and he has set generals spiritually over this city to attack and tear down and destroy people's lives. No doubt, if you want to impact a people, impact a city that impacts the world. Destroy all of their stuff, turn it to wickedness and then let wickedness flourish throughout the planet. So we need to stay alert. Because the enemy is lurking. The enemy is the bird that shows up and snatches away the seed. The internal problem, the seed landed on hard ground. That's the external problem. The internal problem that's going on inside of the person is a hardened heart. Hard ground. Hebrews 3, 7 says today if you hear his voice, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Don't do it. If you hear God's voice today, if you hear him speaking to you today, if you feel convicted by sin, if you feel a draw or a move in the direction of God, do not harden your heart. I warn you, do not harden your heart. Because there may come a day when you never hear his voice again. The same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. And sometimes the, very message, sometimes the very message of God can actually harden our hearts more and more and more because we've heard it so many times and we reject it and reject it and reject it. And before you know it, we have hard ground and the seed cannot take root anymore. I'm telling you, if there is a window in which God is speaking to you, grab onto it in Jesus' name. The solution long-term, family, to not fall into a place of hard heart and let the enemy come in and steal the seed from your life Hebrews 3.12, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a wicked heart of unbelief that turns away from the living God. Don't do it, but do this. Exhort one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Exhort and encourage one another daily. Pastor, that's your job. Oh no, it's your job. My job. Yes. They lift me up. Oh, you should say something. You should do this. You should do this. You should. you should do that. And if I need to step in and help, I will do so in Jesus' name. But we are the church, the body of Christ, a family of believers. And in Jesus' name, get on. Brothers, it says. Brothers, sisters, exhort one another daily. That's you. That's me. I'm involved in that as well. So that you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see the first one? Hard ground, seed shows up, bird pulls it away, can't take root because of a hard heart. Then verse 20 to 21, look at the second. 
and the one whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He's stoked. Yet he has no root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Point number two, if you're taking notes, seed falls on rocky ground with little soil. No depth, no roots. Springs up with joy, but falls away. Uh, I've seen this in the church many times. It's really sad. Somebody just becomes a believer and it's just like, or they, they make a step of faith of some type, um, but the faith is not rooted and they're so excited about their faith and joy is overflowing. They're so excited and they literally walk in it for like three months and then boom, they're just like, I'm out. It's like the switch just turns off. Like, yeah, it's just not. Because they don't take time to grow roots. Let's talk about it. The internal problem the internal problem is shallow soil. Notice on the rocky ground, there's a little bit of soil, but it's shallow. And the shallowness that happens is there's not true belief. It's more of an experience. And we see this sometimes. People get fired up at a concert, and they're like, I want to follow Jesus. And some preacher's like, yeah, dude, it's going to be the best thing you ever did in your life. No problems, no issues. You're just going to be happy every single day for the rest of your life. Come to Jesus. And then what happens? Jesus says affliction and persecution comes upon them. And because of no roots, it goes away. You see this all the time. Look, if I can convince you into Christianity, somebody else can convince you out. I'm not going to sell you Jesus. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And if God ministers to you and it resonates with you and you are able to grab onto it by the grace of God, wouldn't you rather somebody tell you the truth and candy coat this, this box of sale and try to deliver it to you and then you find out later like, dude, what in the world did you sell me? That's not right. The moment they're full of joy but no roots to ready them for the storms of head, the storms crush them. And they say, Jesus didn't work for me. Jesus actually talks about this in Luke 14, verse 28. He says, which of you wishing to build a house or a tower does not sit down first and count the cost to see if he has the resources to complete it? Otherwise, if he lays the foundation and is unable to finish the work, everyone who sees it will ridicule him saying, this man cannot finish what he started to build. Jesus says this, sit down Look, I can get, we can get you all fired up. We could do a big celebration service here. We'll get the music firing. We'll get the lights going. Well, you're coming to Jesus, man. You, you, you come to Jesus. Come on. We'll get you all fired up and ready for the experience. And then next couple weeks when the bottom falls out of life because you choose to follow Jesus, we got to sit down and count the cost of what we're stepping into. Jesus says, you sit down and count the cost before you build the tower. Because you don't want to get halfway through it and realize like, oh, I didn't have enough money to build the tower. Count the cost of what Jesus is calling you to. Then step into belief. That's what he's saying. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to them, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Christ is calling us to die to our old self. 
get away from all that worldly stuff and follow me with all your life and this is what's going to happen people aren't going to like you for it or you're one of them Christians they killed Jesus for it he was the nicest dude to ever walk the earth the nicest guy and they killed him for what he did and what he said he didn't do anything wrong they murdered him for it it will happen to the believer and you should know this that we will be tested greatly in our faith the storms will never stop coming church I'm telling you the storms are on their way look at the horizon but we have a captain who is on our ship whose boat never sinks amen, amen? He's going to carry us through the storm. We're going to go through storms in life, period. And I want to have God with me through those storms. I cling to Him. External problem, when a plant has no root and the storm shows up, the wind, the difficulty of the storm blows and it blows the plant away. That's it. A plant with no roots cannot make it through the storm. And you see this time and time again. Why do I spend time teaching you the Word of God, I'm trying to anchor your roots and understanding of God so that you are prepared for the storms of life. Because some will get to storms in life and they're, they're, they're excited about the Jesus is enough, Jesus is enough, Jesus is enough. Then the storm comes and it's like, um, Jesus is an, uh, they, they said at church Jesus was enough and uh, Jesus is enough, but I don't exactly know why he's enough, but, but he's definitely enough. And okay, um, pump me up again. Let's do another worship service. Let's get this thing firing and I think I'll get through it. You know, you, got, you guys got something? They're like, uh, yeah, yeah, Jesus is enough, man. You know, you just continue on. You know, we'll see you next week. And you're like, no, dude, I'm dying inside. Would somebody please help me understand how God is sustaining me through this life? How, how am I going to get through? I have nothing to grab onto. It's like feeding somebody candy all the time and expecting them to get healthy. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You need to feed them nutrients, healthy meals, build their, build their soul. And that's what we're trying to do. You need roots. You need Roots Class 1 commercial. <laughs> solution. Believers, solution to get through every storm in life. Are you ready? Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, happy is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, the wicked, nor step foot or set foot on the path of the sinners. Don't walk with them nor sit in the seat of mockers, those who mock God. But their delight, that person's delight, the reason they're happy is because it's in the law of the Lord. It's in what he has said. And in it, he meditates day and night. Yes. There it is. Yes. Meditates. The word meditate is the picture of a, a cow chewing the cud. You ever see a cow chew grass? <laughs> And they have like seven stomachs. They will swallow it, throw it back up, and chew some more. It's attractive, isn't it? <laughs> so getting into lunch. Meditation. The one who meditates on the Word of God day and night, anchored in the soul, anchored in the mind, anchored in the heart, understands what God is up to in the universe, why He allows pain and suffering, and why I might potentially be going through this, what He's up to. It's producing something in me. In me. Without pain, there is no gains. 
It says, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water, and it yields fruit like a tree planted by water. The roots go down into the word of God, and it produces fruit. And that giant oak who has been standing there for 50 years, when that storm shows up, it's like, hey, storm, come at me. You want to challenge me, storm? I am by a stream of water. My roots are 100 feet more deep than I am 50 up. You can't pull me out of the ground. It's like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season. Its leaves do not wither, and, and who prospers in all. It prospers in all it does, but not so for the wicked. They are like the, the chaff, driven off by the wind. Therefore the wicked will not stand the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord guards the path of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. This is how you anchor. Look at verse 22. And the one whom seed was thrown or sown among the thorns this is the one who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. What? Deceitfulness of of wealth greed choke the word and it becomes unfruitful point number three if you're taking notes the seed that falls into the thorns and weeds it's choked out by the worry of the world and the worldliness of greed internal problem internal problem so that the, the the seed again is thrown amongst the weeds and the weeds are just waiting like oh baby I can't wait to choke you out Oh, little flower, you're cute. You think you're going to make it through these weeds? We're going to choke you out. The internal problem is self-indulgent, greedy, selfish, wants everything for themselves like the world heart, the soil. Doesn't want to lose his life for Christ. And so the seed tries to grow, but it's choked out by the worldly heart. Holding on to the world too much. You don't want to let go of the world. You want to ride the fence. You don't want to become a disciple of Christ. You kind of want to dabble in both. The external problem is worried about what the world around them thinks. They walk in the fear of man instead of the fear of God. More concerned with what people think than what God thinks and it chokes them out from the desire to walk with God. Too scared what everybody thinks. It's very interesting that Jesus points out money. We know that money is not the root of all evil, but what is? The love of money. It's okay to have money, but how do you use it? Is it all for you and your kingdom? Or has God blessed you graciously to be generous to many? You have everything you need, you have everything you want, then be generous. Bless people. Why else has God given it? Not worried about status on the outside with people, but status with God. Most important thing, what does God think? Before what do people think? The solution is 1 John 2.15, if you're taking notes. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of possessions, it is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's okay to have stuff. It's okay to have money. It's okay to have good status in this city. That's fine. Just don't worship it. Worship God. 
It's okay to have all that stuff. Don't worship it. Worship God. And use your status, use your power, use your fame, use your money, use your abilities to minister and bless others. That's why God gave it to you. It's the best thing you could ever do. That's how you control it. Do your possessions control you or do you control them? Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, how everybody else acts. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on the earth. Get your head in the clouds, please. Get your head in the clouds. Get your head thinking like God thinks, not like the world around us thinks. You're just going to be hating and hurting each other. That's what we do. Just get on the freeway, right? Titus 2.12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Powerful. If we could only have this. A body of believers, people who are self-controlled, who don't walk in the passions of the flesh, but in the desire of God, and go on loving God and loving one another in humility and meekness, serving one another, blessing each other. Finally, the one whom the seed was sown on the good soil, number four. This is the man who hears the word, understands it, and who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Amazing. This seed falls on good soil, it's watered, and it receives the sun, and it grows, but it, watch this church, this soil causes a plant to duplicate itself, to produce more fruit of itself. An orange, you take the orange from a seed, you place it in the ground, what does it produce more of? Oranges. It produces more oranges, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. The whole point is that we would grow in Christ, we'd be rooted in Him, and that we would duplicate ourselves by doing what, church? Making disciples. Disciples making disciples. This is our mission statement here at Legacy, if you didn't know. What happens internally? The heart of man or woman receives the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior over their life. The gospel resonates. Their ears turn on. Their eyes turn on. They magically have a desire to walk with God. A new heart is given. New eyes are given. New ears. New life. A life that was dead now alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit of God inside of us. And we see everything differently. We know God is our Father now. We know we are forgiven and we will live with Him forever. We know these things. Keith Green sang it this way. He said it was like waking up from the longest dream, how real it seemed until your love broke through. I was lost in a fantasy until your love broke through. It is like not being able to see in color in life and magically being able to see in color. You start to notice the birds singing. You start to, you see God in creation. You see God in people. How did I turn into this person? I would have just continued doing my thing, surfing and building homes and making money. And I would have just been on my way to, to my stuff. And I would organize and do my thing and build my kingdom. That's what I would have done. But I, I tell people, I think God trapped me. He sucked me in and he trapped me. And now I feel a burden that if I don't do this, I might be missing out on everything that God has called me to do with my life. If I just hang it up to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. That at the end of my life, God would say, why would you squander what I've given you? 
You can always go and make money. You can always go and serve. You can always go and hang out. Use what I've given you to produce fruit. Duplicate yourself. What happens externally? The fruit of the Spirit shows up in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, kindness, gentleness. It starts to just permeate from our lives. And people are like, man, you, you smell good. People come up to your tree and want to eat from your tree of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, kindness, and gentleness. That fruit tastes so good. When I'm around you, you're a blessing. The solution, John 15. Church, so that we always produce fruit. Are you ready? Jesus said this, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in me, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a dead branch and it withers. And the branches are gathered and they're thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Abide in Jesus. Walk with him every day. Let your roots grow in relationship with Jesus, in relationship with your God. This ain't a religion, man, I'm telling you. This is all about relationship with your God and relationship with people. Get on loving him and walking with him. And in Jesus' name, you will begin to love and serve those around you. It will magically happen. You will bear much fruit. I want to say to you, Legacy, as we close in prayer, I believe that the Spirit of God lives in you. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, you have the ability. You will. You're like, I'm a, I'm a pretty bad plant. And I don't feel like my roots are going very deep sometimes. Don't worry. Don't worry. You just keep walking with God. And he pours that supernatural fertilizer on there and magically fruit comes out of nowhere. You're like, actually I was being an idiot and somehow God even used that for his glory. <laughs> you get to heaven and you say, you're, you're at the end of your life and you're about to die. You're about to walk through the door of eternity and you're thinking to yourself, man, I didn't do so good a lot of sin in my life. I wish I would have been closer to God and wish, wish I would have done all these things for his glory. I tried my best, but man, I don't, I don't know. You step through that door and you just see piles of fruit. Where did that come from? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Jesus reminds you it was never about you. It was about me doing my work through you. You abide in him, and you will bear much fruit. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to abide in you, to anchor in you. Would you work on the soil of our hearts? Even now, Lord, would you row to till the ground, 
Would you break it up? Break up that hard ground. Break up that rock. Rip out those weeds and those thorns. And we pray that as the seed is planted in our hearts today, that it would yield great fruit, fruit of love, joy, peace, truth, obedience, and life to you. That only brings forth more blessings and promises. Oh God, I pray that over the church. And if there are some today saying, man, I want to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would do a supernatural work in their heart. Would you give them a new heart? Give them new ears. Give them new eyes. As they call upon you to be saved and forgiven of all of their sin. They choose to make things right with you today. Recognizing the work that you did for them. Taking the punishment of, so they could go free. Forgiven of all of their sin against you. And given a new life with you. I pray, Father, that you would anchor our church deeper and deeper into the ways of you, that our roots would go deep in you, and that we would be a people that produce a hundredfold. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.